help me. Luke chapter 6, this verse, it's one that is so powerful. I'm telling you, this thing is power-packed. Who would think that God would put such potency and such uh, dynamite power, really? It's explosive power in one verse. But I feel that that's what he's done here in Luke chapter 6 and verse number 38. Give, and it will be given to you. Now, if we were to put a period there, I still think that would be amazing. That if we give to God, he gives back to us. What a thought. But it gets better than that. He said, give and it will be given to you. Then he goes to tell how he's going to give it back to us. Good measure. You know, the first service kind of helped me preach this at 815. I wonder, anybody want to help me preach this today? Why don't you repeat these few phrases right here? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Come on, let's say it again if it's so good. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, the Bible says, it will be put into our bosom. Look at this. Look what God is going to do as we step out in faith and give to him. He's going to give it back to us. But when it comes back to us, it comes back a whole different way. Hallelujah. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. He's going to put it into our bosom. Now look at this. He ends this great power pack full of dynamite verse by saying, for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power in your word. Life-changing power. Mind-blowing power. And I pray that today, Lord, our minds would be changed. Our hearts, as we have sung to surrender them to you and ask to have your heart. I pray that this would happen. There would be an exchange of heart, a heart of giving. Speak to us on this critical, critical area. We pray it in Jesus' name. Come on and shout amen today. Amen. So be it. Let it be so. It is done. I'm with you, pastor. That's what amen means. Anybody ever play Monopoly growing up? What was your favorite piece? The dog? The car? The cat? There isn't a cat. Who said the cat? Oh, the hat. I'm sorry. See, I told you this thing's rattled around in this head that nobody else hears. The hat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love to play Monopoly. Now, I really wasn't very good at it, but that didn't matter. I love to play it. I'd still like to play it every now and then, but you've got to have a good rainy day and about three hours to get it done, you know. But let me ask you this. What was the goal in Monopoly? Get out of jail? What? Who said get out of jail? Get out of jail free. That's all you're playing for. I want to get out of jail free. <laughs> I, never really, I never really thought about that being a goal, but maybe so. What was the goal of Monopoly? Say it, Sandy. There it is. That's it right there. The goal of Monopoly was to get the most property, buy up the most property. Now, I always wanted Park Place, 
but usually ended up with Baltic Avenue. You know what I'm talking about? Just around the corner of Go, that's what I ended up buying. But if you had the most property, that meant something else. It meant you had the most money. Anybody like money? Come on, tell the truth and shame the devil. You know you like money. I didn't say love. I understand where somebody was going. I'll get there myself in a minute. But you know you like money. We don't want to say we love money because the Bible says something about that, right? So we're going to get as close to loving money as we can, and we're going to say, I like money. You know you like money. Money makes, makes everything work better. Money makes this church work better. Money makes my home work better. Money makes your life work better. Let's just talk about it today. Money can change your attitude and change your perspective on things. A farmer called the office of the local church in the town in which he lived, and he asked to talk to the head hog at the trough. The secretary indignantly replied, Sir, if you're referring to our minister, you may call him pastor or you may call him reverend, but I do not think it's appropriate for you to refer to him as the head hog at the trough. She's going to set him straight. She's like Gail. Gail's go, she's my bulldog. I'm telling you, Gail's a bulldog, and she's, she's a great assistant to me. <laughs> well, all right, the farmer said. I just sold a few sows, and I was going to donate $10,000 to the building fund, so I was hoping to catch him. Oh, just a minute, sir, the secretary replied. I think the big pig just walked in. <laughs> you, see, money has a way of changing the way you see things. Money has a way of changing your attitude. Money has a way of changing your perspective, doesn't it? They say money makes the world go round, and I guess that's true. But I'll also say money can make the head go round. Money can make your mind go round. 1 Timothy 6.10, somebody's waiting for this one. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Isn't it so? Now look at this. For which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness, and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Are you getting what this scripture says? It's telling us that somebody that once was a follower, someone that once was a believer, they were in the faith and running the race. Because of the love of money, they're no longer in the race. They're no longer following. They're no longer serving God. That's what it says right there in 1 Timothy 6.10. They've strayed from the faith in their greediness, piercing themselves through with many sorrows. The love of money can cause people to do some crazy things. Anybody ever watch Fear Factor? Some of you all don't want to admit it, but that's all right. Well, it was on a, a little while ago, several years ago. They brought it back. I, it's like a train wreck for me. I, I, I'm drawn into it, but yet I, I don't really want to watch it, but I can't hardly turn away from it, you know. But it gets me so worked up. 
it gets my heart beating and, and my, my adrenaline pumping and I get anxious and I get nervous and I get grossed out. I mean, these people are, are, are jumping off of speeding boats and, uh, and they're, they're crashing their cars into lakes and, and jumping onto flying helicopters and uh, you name it. They're rolling around with snakes and they're eating innards of a, a cow or a pig or eating cockroaches. And I, it's, it's unbelievable. Why are they doing all this? But love of money make people do crazy things. There's another show out right now that I do kind of like, and I, I sit there and laugh my head off with my kids. It's Wipeout. Anybody watch Wipeout? These people are crazy people. Where's Claudia? Claudia, you don't even tell your sister I said that. Claudia's sister actually was a contestant on this, and she got, she got pretty far in it. Irma did. Don't edit this out, Mark. Claudia, don't tell her I said that. I love Irma, but she's a crazy woman for getting on Wipeout. These people, their bodies are contorted in such a way you couldn't make your body do what it does after this thing beats you around. They go through all a battery of abuse. Why? Come on, somebody. That's right, Joe. They do it for the love of money. The love of money can cause devastating destruction, irreversible. You've probably seen it in your own life or someone that you know. Did you know the number one destroyer of marriages is not adultery after all? It's not extramarital affairs, as some would think. The number one killer of marriages is money-related. Family disowns one another, never speaking to one another again over inheritance issues and squabbling over who gets more and I got less and I was supposed to get that and, and you got that and I didn't get that and it's unbelievable. Over money, the love of money, the pursuit of money, the greediness of money. And I've got a news flash for you today. You can't take one thin dime of it with you. Not one dime, not one dollar. And people who have money, I found, never have enough. You think I'll get to this point and then I'll be satisfied? You're fooling yourself. You're fooling yourself because people who have money want more money. And they're never satisfied. The love of money. Let me flip this for you today. Have you ever thought that money could be one of the most powerful weapons against the enemy? Have you ever considered the weapon might just be in your wallet? Today I want to talk to you about money. There I said it. Go ahead and get the moans and groans out of the way. There goes another preacher talking about money. See, I told you, Hazel. I told you. They're always talking about money. You got me dead to rights today. I'm fessing up. Today, I'm going to talk to you about money. But, actually, it's a little bit bigger than that. 
Money is just a portion and a part of what I want to talk to you about. The real theme of the message today is about giving and the power of giving. In fact, if I didn't want to be so clever and so cute, I wouldn't have entitled the message today, the, the weapon in your wallet, but I wanted to be clever and be cute, so I did that. The real title of this message is The Power of Giving. That's it. The Power of Giving. When I say giving today, I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about giving in three ways. Time, talent, and treasure. Come on, say it with me. Time, talent, and treasure. There are the three. These are three that we all possess time. We all have the same, same gift every day, starting at midnight and running through noon. It's called 24-hour period. We all have, it's, it's equal playing ground. You have 24 hours just like I have 24 hours. What are you going to do with that gift of time? And how are you going to give of your time to God and to the work of God? How about talent? Some say, well, you don't know me too well because I don't have any talent. Well, talent isn't just playing the, the piano like Pastor Moses and writing some amazing worship song. Wasn't that an amazing worship song? I'm just telling you, that got into me today. Wow. That's, that's one area of talent. But I've, I want to say something today. Every person in here, God deposited talent in you. He doesn't make someone and not give them ability and not give them talent. Your talent is different from the one you're sitting next to. Your talent is different from the one behind you or in front of you. My talent isn't your talent. Your talent isn't my talent. But we all have some ability. We all have some gifting from God. We all have a talent. What are you going to do with the talent that God has given you? And are you going to then give it back to God? And, of course, there is the treasure portion of giving. Treasure is obvious. It is your money, your wages, your salary. It is your assets. It is your increase. Everyone possesses these three things. These are three commodities every believer could give to God. And I believe that if every believer would give these to God, this is where it becomes a weapon. A weapon that the enemy can't do anything with. How does the enemy fight when you're giving of yourself and giving of your, of your possession, giving of your talent, your time, giving of your money? When it makes no sense, that's when it gets really good. You start giving when it doesn't make sense on paper, when it doesn't make sense to your family. Give anyway. Watch the hand of God move supernaturally. Watch the enemy be defeated. Watch poverty be broken in your life when you give. I'm praying with all my heart today that the spiritual light bulbs are switched on and that we get it because there's not enough uh, believers statistically that are giving. Not enough. 30%, listen to me today, 
I want to make sure I get this right. 30% give 80% of the money that comes in. 30% give 80% of the giving. The tw- and then there's 20% that give the other 20%. You doing your math? Pa- Pastor Jim, help me here today. What are we up to here? Well, we're up to 50%. I'm going to say it again, 30% give 80% of what is given, 20% give the other 20%. So that makes 100% of the giving only done by 50%, which means there's 50% of the people who give, come on, help me preach this today. They're not giving a dime, not giving anything. And if they do, it's just a little tip to God. And I don't know about you, but God's been too good to me for me to tip him. I mean, we do our waiters and waitresses. I better get back on my notes. I'm just telling somebody, we do our waiters and waitresses better than we do God. I know nobody wants to hear this today. But I'm just saying, if this comes on for you, if this is illuminated for you, it is life-changing. And it will defeat the enemy every time, every time. It works. God said, try me, prove me, test me. It works. How many already know that it works? You're a testimony of it today. You're a witness of it today. Mm. It becomes a weapon, a weapon against the enemy. I want you to jot down these five things that you are to consider. I want you to consider in order for giving to become a weapon. Five quick things. Y'all believe I can be quick? Thank you for that. Number one, giving is an act of worship. You're not giving to pay my salary. You're not giving to keep the lights on. You're giving as an act of worship. You're worshiping God. And if we will understand that every time I give, this is, I'm giving to God. I don't know about you, but I'll pass somebody that's less fortunate from time to time, begging, really, begging for money, asking for food. And my first thought, I wonder if it's your, your th- first thought. Let me, let me ask you, what is your first thought, maybe? See, I know they're going to buy a beer. They're probably going to get something to drink. They got cigarette on their breath. They're going to go get some cigarettes. They're not going to go get a sandwich. You know, we, I, I think these things. But something shifted for me, and I just thought, you know what? They're clearly down on their luck. They're clearly in need. And if I have a dollar that I can give them, and if I give it as unto the Lord, it's God's business what they do with it. You bless them, you bless that, you ask God's blessing on that. Do you think God's big enough to handle the mess that people make of whatever? And this is why I love Bob, by the way, our Bob bags. I don't have to get uh, in my wallet and get a dollar out. I can just reach to the back seat and get the Bob bag and say, here, really, really awesome. But to give as an act of worship and give as unto God. It started in the beginning of time. Go back to Genesis. Just the first few chapters and you'll see this this, uh, instituted as an act of worship. In chapter 4, 
And in the process of time, verse 3, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering, offering of fruit to the ground, uh, fruit of the ground to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering. It was the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel's offering, but he did not respect Cain's offering. Cain, Cain became very angry. His countenance fell. And we know the rest of the story. The first murder is recorded as, as a result of this act of worship. And the purity of one in, in worshiping God by giving to God and the dishonesty of another. Because I, didn't, I, don't, I, I don't believe at all that it was just that God loved animals more than he loved fruit. Or, or I, I think it was a matter of the heart. I think it was one giving the very best and one being obligated to give to God and not giving his very best. But let your giving be an act of worship. It started at the beginning of time. It continued throughout time. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all worshipped God by giving to God. Moses and God's chosen people worshipped God by giving to God. Elijah, Elisha, and the prophets of old all worshipped God by giving to God. It started at the beginning of time. It continued through time. And today, it is our time to worship the Lord by giving to the Lord. Proverbs 3.9 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. Ladies and gentlemen, when you give to God, you are honoring God. When you give to God, you are worshiping God. Keep that in mind. It will become a weapon that the enemy cannot defeat. Giving also is an act of faith. You know, it takes faith to step out of the boat. It takes faith to do something that makes no sense. It doesn't add up on paper. It takes faith to say, I'm still going to trust God. And I know God is going to do what he said he would do. See, when we give, we're acting out in faith. What did God say he would do? Back to our text. Give, and it will be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Do you believe that God will do what he said he would do? Yes, amen. So we step out of the boat with fear and trepidation and, and trembling even, but we step out in faith. What else did God say he would do when it comes to giving? I'm glad you asked. Malachi 3.10, bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there would be food in my house. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, and see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing. There will not be room enough to contain it or to receive it. Do we believe that God will do what God said he would do? Yes, we believe it. And so we climb out of the boat and we step out on the water and we give to God. We give of our time. We give of our talent. And we give of our treasure. You've got to let this be an act of faith. Not when it all adds up on the calculator. Not when it all makes sense in your head. Who can't do that? God spoke to Noah and he told him, I'm fed up and I'm going to destroy every living thing. Save your family and get me two of every living beast. Gave him the detail of how to build an ark. And Noah went on for years with ridicule from the people to give of his time, to give of his talent, and give of his treasure. It took time to build an ark. 
It took talent. Someone had to do this. Who was it? It was Noah. It took resources and, 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 and treasure to supply the materials needed. Noah did this all as an act of faith. God said something was going to be done that had never been done before. Rain, dry as ever, wakes up again, dry again. There they are, all laughing at old Noah, lost his mind, crazy man. He just kept on sawing and kept on hammering, and he gave of himself as an act of faith. Number three, giving is an act of obedience. You see, I don't believe it's a suggestion from God. I believe it's a mandate. I believe it's a commandment. Malachi 3, verse 8, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. And you say, how? In what way have we robbed you? And he answers and says, in your giving, your tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse, for you've robbed me, even this whole nation. And then here's the part that we are mandated by God. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there would be food in my house. I don't believe giving is a suggestion. I believe God calls us to give, and God expects us to give. Back to our text, the very first word of Luke 6:38. And if you become accustomed to writing in your Bible and underlining and highlighting, here's another good, good word for you to underline, give. He didn't, he didn't preface it by saying, now, if things look good and you feel like it, go ahead and give. He just starts and says, give. Our giving is an act of obedience. And you know as well as I do that when you obey God in any area, you get God's attention. And I want God's attention, not in a bad way, not in a negative way, but I want God to go, oh, what he just do right there? What'd she just do right over there? She acted out in faith. She stepped out in faith, and she obeyed what I told her to do, getting God's attention and God responding to your act of courage and to your act of obedience, not just when you have enough or more than enough. What kind of courage does that take? That's not an act of obedience. Jesus watched the scribes, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees, the religious leaders, each bringing their 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 cumin and their, their herbs and their, their offerings, their monies. They were so full of themselves and so proud of themselves and they wanted to make sure everybody understood and everybody, everybody saw what they were doing. It was a spectacle. And here comes a little lady with nothing left. All she had was two coins, two measly coins, truth be told, two mites. Two bits wouldn't really amount to anything. She was not going to be able to buy anything with it. It was all she had left. And what did she do? Out of obedience and in an act of faith, she gave it. God saw it. And God responded to it. Give systematically. Give faithfully. And let it be as an act of obedience. And watch what God does. Giving is also an act of sacrifice. Number four. 
King David got himself in some trouble. And he needed God to lift the hand of a curse, a plague, forgive him of sin. And as was the custom, a sacrifice had to be offered and given to God. 2 Samuel 24, verse 18. And Gad came that day to David and said to him, Go up, erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arana, the Jebusite. Now, this is Arana's property. Arana is the landowner and owns the threshing floor. Verse 19, so David, according to the word of Gad, went up as the Lord commanded. Now, Arana, the landowner, he looked and he saw the king and his servants coming toward him. So Arana went out and bowed before the king with his face to the ground. Arona said, Why has my lord the king come to his servant? David said to him, I want to buy your threshing floor from you to build an altar to the Lord, that the plague may be withdrawn from my people. But Arona said to the king, Let my lord the king take and offer up whatever seems good to him. And look, Here's some oxen for the burnt sacrifice, and you can use my threshing implements and the yokes of the oxen for the wood for the fire. All of these, O king, Arana had gi has given to the king. Arana said to the king, May the Lord your God accept you, but I want you to look closely at this. Verses 24 and 25, critical in offering to God a sacrifice. But the king said to Arana, no, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which costs me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor that day and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord heeded the prayers for the land and the plague was lifted. Plague was withdrawn from Israel. Three things I want you to remember when offering a sacrifice in your giving. Number one, give God your best. Because I want you to know something. God always gives you his best. Always. Whatever God gives you, know this. It's not recycled. It's not refurbished. He didn't give you used tires. God gives you the best. So why should we not then give God our best? When they were to offer a sacrifice for worship, the custom was to go into the flock, into the herd, and they wouldn't get the disease. They wouldn't get the runt of the litter thinking, well, that's no use to us anyway. We might as well give that to God. But how many times is our thinking that way? I'm going to give this to the church. I'm done with it. Doesn't even work anymore, but I'm going to give it to the church. I'm going to give it to the nursery. It's filthy dirty, but I'm going to give it to the nursery and let those babies. All right, I'll keep preaching what I, I wrote instead. Let's give God our best. God always gives us his best. Give God your best. Number two, give to God first. Here's a thought. 
give to God first. First, our very first thought in our minds after we have received something should be, how can we give a portion of our harvest back to the work of God? Lastly, give God generously. Give generously to God. Matthew 10, 8, freely you have received. Come on. You know the word very well. You've received life from God freely. You've received healing from God freely. You've received provision from God's hand freely. Give freely. Give generously. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, so let each one of you give as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly, not out of necessity, not with grumbling or complaining. For God loves a cheerful, generous giver. Lastly, Pastor Moses comes giving It's an act of love. When you love someone, you give to them. Stacy, I know you love Cheryl with all your heart. She is your your wife, your lover. She is the, the woman of your dreams. And so you give to her. You give to her because you do love her. I give to Karen because I love her more than I love any other human breathing. Any other human breathing. I love Karen. So I give to her. It's an act of love. You know, God started this whole business of giving in the first place. And why? It was an act of love. That's right, Leslie. Because he loves them. For God so loved the world that he gave. We could just stop right there, really. For God so loved this world, you and me, mankind, he gave. Because God gave in love, we too should give as an act of love. Let me just reiterate, I'm not just talking about money today. Talking about giving of your time. There are so many areas of ministry and we are on the rise. The waters are rising here, church. We are in a growth pattern. People are coming. I look around this room even today and there are faces that I don't know so well. I hope you feel the same way. Anybody seeing some new people that you don't know so well? Isn't it awesome? Isn't it wonderful? But who's going to help us make sure that everybody gets fed? Everybody gets ministered to? The same 20%? It can't be that way anymore. I need you to give of your time as an act of worship. Give of your talent. You're specially designed to do certain things that nobody else could do quite like you with God's help and God's anointing on your life. Our ushers, we need more ushers. We need greeters and people to help us with hospitality issues and people cooking. 
choir. Pastor Moses, would you like any more choir members? Youth ministry, volunteers, children's. You could give of your time and your talents. But I pray that the Holy Spirit would illuminate in your mind and heart this area of giving of your treasure and of your money. Surrendering and trusting God. There are some results. When we give, God gives back. Give and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Will be put into your bosom. And here is just an, kind of a, I, I think it's God saying, and also don't forget this, the last sentence. Remember, with the same measure you used, I, I'm going to measure that back to you. So if you bless somebody with a little thimble of blessing, don't get upset when God just pours a little thimble of blessing back on you. You want the bushel barrel full of God's blessing coming back on you. That's how you've got to bless other people. Over and above. Then it comes back that way too. God blesses. He blesses abundantly. I want you to let giving become the weapon that defeats the enemy, builds the kingdom, blesses you, and blesses others. Everyone standing with your heads bowed. Father, thank you so much for showing us your word. Those secret things. I believe, God, that your word has really become alive today as I prayed it would. Help every believer here, man, woman, teenager, help them, God, to give, knowing that it will bless you. It will build, build your kingdom. It will defeat the enemy. We commit today, Lord, that we are willing to give you our time, our talents, and our treasure. Bless it, Lord. We give you praise. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. It's never too late to start giving to God. Never too late. Lock that in. Settle the matter once and for all. Be sure to be back here at 5 o'clock. We're going to have some good food. What are we eating tonight? What are we eating tonight? Whatever everybody brings. We're going to supply some El Pollo Loco chicken. And bring your best side dish or your best dessert. But let's have a great, great celebration tonight. Does that sound good to everybody? All right. God bless. We'll see you tonight.